rescue. That is a plan that Jesus has for all of us, my friends. And we're going to study what this rescue plan is. So go get your Bibles, and we'll be right back. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Now, before we begin, I want to start with prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for letting us come before you, Lord, once again to, to study your words. We ask you, God, to fill our hearts with, with joy and love as we go through this, because it's going to be a joy and a love when you return. I ask you, Father, to be with each and every one of us, Father, God, and um, send your Holy Spirit and give us that spiritual discernment. And may the words that I speak here not be the opinions of man, but be you speaking to me using your voice, Father. I ask you to send, fill us with your Holy Spirit and give us that spiritual discernment. That's why I ask in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Our subject, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, one point that I want you to remember is that when Jesus returns, you're going to know it. Because it's going to be a noisy event and everyone is going to see Jesus when he comes. I mean, everyone in the world. Now, before we be begin our study proper, we want to remember this. That if it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. Now, I'd like to begin with a story. This is a story of a kidnapping. It happened at 7.30 on the morning of September 23rd, 1994. Tom Hargrove. He was a business executive who was working in Cali, Colombia. And he was there to help the locals learn how to produce more food from their land. And, and he found himself in a lot of trouble. Now, he was driving down a familiar stretch on the Pan American Highway. It was 10 minutes from home and he was a little late for work. Now, to avoid the traffic congestion, he decided to take a fork in the road that looped back around to the office, and he decided to drive the Cedic countryside. Now, minutes later, minutes later, he encountered a roadblock. He was thinking to himself, no big deal, because police and military roadblocks are common here in Colombia. That's what he was thinking. But it was a big deal, my friends, because dozens of young men surrounded him they surrounded the vehicle, and they were all carrying M16s or AK-47s, other weapons. And at this very moment, his heart, his heart just sank. Now, he thought to himself, he survived three tours of Vietnam. Now he's going to die in Colombia? He was being kidnapped. He was being kidnapped by the revolutionary forces of Colombia. Now, 18 days had passed, and without a word from the kidnappers, nothing. But then, the first ransom demand. The kidnappers wanted $6 million. Now, by that time, Tom Hargrove had been hidden away in, in the cold and uh, the forbidding Andes Mountains. His, his captors moved him constantly from, from one mountain camp to another. He was so isolated the next 11 months that he did not even see a wheel, a road, a window with glass, or, or even a fork. He lost 50 pounds and, you know, and his hair, his hair turned orange from malnutrition. Now, he was able to keep a diary. And in this diary, it revealed that his state of mind. And this is what he said after, this is now after 11 months of captivity. Terrible despair. But must fight it somehow. Can't allow deep despair like yesterday. Cry too much. Must stop. Two days later, he wrote, I will not go crazy. Now, over the 
the many months, the $6 million ransom was negotiated down to $5,000 and $500,000, and it was paid. But no Tom. No Tom. Then, near the end of month 11, in the words of his wife, this is what she said, this strange man walked into my bedroom. He smelled like ash, lost 50 pounds. But you know something? She said this. Her Tom was safely back home again. Now, how much would you pay a ransom for a loved one? Would you pay $1,000? A million dollars? Everything you owned? Your own life? Your own life. Well, that's how much Jesus Christ paid the ransom for you and me after we were kidnapped. He paid with his life. But you might be saying, a ransom is paid for someone who's been kidnapped, and I haven't been kidnapped. Well, I'm here to tell you today, my friends, you have been kidnapped. You've been kidnapped by Satan, by sin, by sickness, and disease, and death. Because, first off, we were meant to live in a world where there was no evil, no violence, no famine, no war, no death. But we're used to these things. We think that it's normal, but, but they're not. We really have been kidnapped. Now, I tell you Tom Hardgrove's story today because it, because it illustrates the amazing Bible truth that is the second coming of Jesus to rescue those who have been kidnapped by Satan. You know, Christians talk a long, a long time about the second coming of Jesus. They talk about it for years and years. And the Bible talks about the second coming. There's hundreds of texts in the Bible that specifically refer to this event. Now, since the second coming of Jesus has to do with freedom, let's examine a few of these wonderful promises. Now, the first verse in the words of Jesus himself says this, and you all might know this. This is in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. So if you want to quote it without looking at your Bible to impress your buddy, to show him that you're an erudite, go ahead. <laughs> but I'm going to read it to you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then there's this one. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin, for salvation. Hebrews 9, verse 27 and 28. And there's one more verse. One more. This is found in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, friends, there is no question in the Bible that Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth. He's coming for those who love him and who trust him as their Lord and Savior. You see, the second coming offers you and me the hope of a world without sickness and suffering, without war, without crime, violence, disease, and death. Now, isn't that the world that you want to be a part of? It can be. I'm telling you, it can be if Jesus has your life. Now, here's Jesus. 
Here's Jesus here speaking about the fact that he ransomed us. Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. His life, my friends, his life, a ransom. Now that is an amazing truth. Jesus gave his life a ransom for all of us. It's true, he did. He did it for you, for me, for the person sitting next to you. You have been bought, my friends, you have been blood-bought already by Jesus. Now there's a story about a little girl who lived at home. And every weekend her parents came home drunk and they beat the child. Now eventually the government decided to take control and take her to a foster home. Now the first few days were okay, but when the weekend came, the little girl ran into her room and she hid under her bed and she cried hysterically. It took the foster parents more than an hour to coax her out of there. And they had to explain to her that they weren't going to hurt her. So she finally came out until the next weekend. Again, once again, she fled under the bed. She was crying and refusing to come out. It took the parents some time to coax her out again. Now, it took months for her to stop associating weekends with these terrified weekends. Now, why did she flee? Why? Well, think about this. In her mind, the idea of a weekend, it meant suffering, it meant pain, it meant beatings. She didn't know any better. Because she didn't know anything else. Her weekends consisted of pain and beatings. Now, when it comes to believing God, we don't know any better either. Because we don't know, and think nothing about this now, we, don't, we do not know anything other than the world of sin. We don't know anything about anything other than the world being full of violence and death. Think about that. You know, we think that it's just the way it is. Well, maybe, maybe it is just the way it is here, but, but it's certainly not the way it should be. You see, in Eden, when Adam and Eve listened to the voice of Satan instead of God, you know what they did? They allowed the entire human race to come under the control of Satan. You see, their disobedience gave Satan, it gave him the inroad. And with that inroad, what? He kidnapped our world. He did it through his lies, his deceptions, and his trickery. It all began in Satan's rebellion. It happened in heaven many years ago, as you remember the study back, back a, few, a few studies back. The rebellion that started in heaven. This is what the, the Bible says, Revelation 12, verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world. He was cast out to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now because of Satan and our sinful natures, we've all sinned against God's law. I mean, look around. Do you know of anyone that's never lied? Do you know of anyone that's never treated you mean or, or unfairly? Do you know of anyone... Anyone that's never lost their temper. Of course not. No, no. We've all broken God's holy law. Now, in some communities, in ancient communities, people had, had debts that they couldn't pay. And guess what would happen? They would be sold into slavery. In the same way that you and I owe God that bill that we can't pay. 
In that sense, my friends, we've all been kidnapped. We've all been sold into slavery. I know we probably think it's not fair. It's not fair, you might say. but And God agrees. But that's why he permitted his only son, Jesus, to pay our debt for us. You and I owe a debt that we cannot pay. Jesus came and paid the debt. He came to pay a debt, my friends. And that is a debt he does not owe. Our good news is Jesus' bad news. It required him to give himself a ransom for all of us. And he did just that. Jesus didn't want to die, no. Look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right before he permitted himself to be sacrificed. The Bible says he didn't want to die. Matthew 26, verse 39, 39 says this. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Here he was, a sinless son of God, about to bear the, the full penalty of sin. About to give his life for each of us. For you, for me, for the person next to you. There's the gospel song that says this. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And that's the way it was. In his mind's eye, Jesus saw us in our pain, in our suffering, in our fears, our struggles. That's why he went to the cross. Imagine him there on the cross and he realizes... And I want you to realize, this is a price that Jesus was willing to pay to ransom you and me, my friends. With joy, though, he was looking forward to the reward of, of spending eternity with all of those who would accept his salvation. And do you think that at such a cost that Jesus isn't going to come back to get those that are ransomed? Of course not. And this, my friends, is what the second coming of Jesus is all about. It's about Jesus coming back to get what he purchased at his first coming. That's you and me. We are blood-bought souls, my friends. We are blood-bought souls of the king of the universe. You know, in some stores, if you see an item that you really like, let's say a, a refrigerator and it's expensive, the stores, they sometimes allow you to start paying in advance, right? Then after you've paid it in full, you come and get it. This is called layaway. Now, after you finally paid the full price, would you leave it in the store never to come and get it? Of course not. That'd be foolish, wouldn't it? Well, Jesus paid the full price for each of us. And we can be sure because we cost him dearly that he isn't going to leave us here. No, no. Jesus is going to come back to get us. He paid for each of us. We can be certain, my friends, that he's going to come back and he's going to come for everyone who accepted him as, as Savior and Lord, today, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord? If not, I urge you, I urge you, man, do it right now. Do it right now. Now, this is wonderful news. This is the gospel. Jesus bought you with his blood. And when you accept by faith what he's done for you, when you make him your new master, then then you can have the assurance that when Jesus comes back, he's going to come back for you. For you, my friend. What a, what a hope, uh, what, what a promise. I mean, don't you want to get out of this messed up world? I mean, wouldn't you like to have a new life in a new world? Well, you might say, I'm, I'm convinced Jesus is going to return, but, but how? How do I know when he comes back? How am I going to know this? 
I mean, after all, didn't Jesus himself warn that there'd be false Christ making people think that they are Jesus returned? Yes, he did. He did. In these words right here, Matthew 24, verse 23 and 24. Then if anyone says to you, look here, look, here is a Christ or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Well, I'm here to tell you right now, my friend, there's no reason for you and me to be deceived. You know, the Bible has given us enough information on the manner and the nature of Christ's second coming. And that if you just listen to what his words say, we cannot be deceived. You know, Jesus wants us to understand exactly how he's going to return. And here is how the Bible describes how his return will happen. Okay, so I want you to listen closely to this. Listen closely. After his resurrection, Jesus was talking to his followers and he said this. Okay, now I want you to notice what happened now, okay? Acts chapter 1 verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now notice what happened next, okay? This is very important, okay? And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Now, there's two things that stand out here. First, it says this same Jesus will come back. It will be Jesus himself, my friends, who comes back. It's not going to be an emissary or a spirit guide or an angel. No, it's going to be Jesus himself who's going to return for us. It's going to be Jesus in a literal and personal return. Remember that. Now notice too that he returns the same way that he went to heaven. He was lifted right off the ground. He went up into the sky in the sight of all of his disciples. Now when he returns, Jesus is going to come down literally from the sky. In other words, he's not going to, not going to someday just appear in the desert or jungle. No, no. He's going to come right out of the sky. Now listen Listen to Jesus' words here describing the manner of his, of, his, of his return here. Matthew 24, verse 25, verses 25 through 27, and verse 30. This is what the Bible says. See, I have told you beforehand, therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. When Jesus comes back, my friends, we're not going to have to go and find him. No, he, he's going to find us. Because he's always been searching for us, right? Now look what else Jesus says here about his return. He says this, it's going to be like lightning flashing in the sky. And lightning, my friends, lightning Lightning is very dazzling and everyone sees it, right? So everyone's going to see it, everyone. Now, Jesus, he also emphasized the fact that he says that he's going to appear in the sky. And that all tribes of the earth, that is all the people, that's white, black, rich, poor, Jew, Gentile, Muslim, Christians, Hindu, everyone, everyone's going to see his coming. And this is John's description. It goes like this. Revelation 1 verse 7 says, Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him. 
Now let's look at what the next text adds here. This is in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. Can you imagine that shout? Can, can you imagine the trumpet of God? I mean, a trumpet, it isn't a soft instrument, is it? No, it's loud. It's loud enough, my friends, to wake the dead. And it will do exactly that. Now, okay, we're going to review so far what we've seen about the manner of Jesus coming. Now, first, we know Jesus, who will come, is literally, is literally going to come just the way that he left. Second, he's going to come from the sky. Third, his second coming is going to be a worldwide event. Something and everyone will see it. Fourth, his second coming is going to be loud with a shout and a trumpet blast. But there's even more. There's even more, much more. Now look at what Paul wrote about the second coming of Jesus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. And this is what it says. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Now, for those of you who are not in a relationship with Jesus, the second coming is going to be a time of sudden destruction. Remember that. The Bible is very clear on this point. Now, some people believe that the idea of thief in the night means a secret coming of Jesus. A time when he comes unannounced, unseen, or, or unheard, where he, he quietly snatches away the Christians. And now, this idea was popularized by a series of books called the Left Behind series. And these have been later produced as series, and there was even a movie with Nicolas Cage. Now, the idea of you, that you'll be sitting in a jet flying 10,000 meters or in the air, or, and all of a sudden people and pilots just start to disappear, and they just vanish, and the only thing that remains there is their clothes. And this is the way some people understand the second coming. But the Bible doesn't teach that, no. The Bible tells us that Jesus' return is going to be where every eye will see him. His return is going to be an event that comes with noise. with, And it's going to be spectacular like lightning shooting across the sky. So what does Paul mean by thief in the night? What's that expression? Well, doesn't a thief come secretly? Yes. But guess what? The thief also comes unexpectedly. And that's what Paul meant here. Jesus explained this fact in these verses right here. Listen to this. But of the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Now listen to this carefully. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Matthew 24, verse 36 and 30, through 39. Now, Jesus' point is clear. No one knows the day or the hour. The thief, the thief comes in a time when he's not expected. Okay, He doesn't come announced. That's what the Bible means. Not that it's a secret. No, on the contrary. Matthew 24, verse 30 and 31 says, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. 
and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end to heaven to the other. Now, think about this. When the heads of state visits, there's only a few people that are a part of the welcoming party, okay? But Jesus, my friends, when he returns, he's going to gather all of his followers, all those who loved and served him, from one end of heaven to another. That's the Bible way of saying that it means the entire world. So, what does this mean? First, he's talking about the resurrection of those that died believing in Jesus. Everyone, and I mean everyone from all of earth's history who loved and served Jesus, are going to be resurrected at his second coming. And that, I'm telling you, my friends, is an exciting time to be at the cemetery, right? I always tell my family that I'm going to drive to the cemetery where Jesus comes so I can see my mother and stepmother pop out of the graves. <laughs> but it's going to be an exciting time. Now, listen to these confirming words right here. These are, these are, this is Paul confirming this. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. My friends, at the sound of God's trumpet, the dead in Christ are going to rise. Those who have accepted what Jesus did for them throughout all of world's history are going to be brought back to life. Now listen to what Jesus says about this. John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. The dead in Christ who are in the graves will hear the voice of God and come back to life with brand new bodies. Death does not have to be the final answer, my friends. No, 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 no. No, no. Now picture this. Jesus comes from the sky. Everyone sees him. He comes and, and there's this great fanfare, this noise, and the dead in Christ all over the world are raised. This is how Jesus returns. But there's more. There's more. What happens to those who died trusting in Jesus? They're resurrected at the second coming, Okay. But what happens to those faithful who are alive when Jesus returns? The Bible tells us in these wonderful, wonderful words, okay? 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, my friends. Amen. Isn't that an incredible promise? Here is when we are all taken up from the earth. Not some secret rapture, but in a real rapture where, where our sick and, and dying bodies will instantly be changed. Yes, instantly, my friends, instantly our bodies will be changed. The Bible says, Behold, I tell you a mystery we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be, will be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 53. I am so tired 
of having back aches, aches and pains, my friends. I am so ready for this. Dead or alive, my friends, at Jesus' second coming, if you trusted in him, you're given a new body. Never, you'll never see sickness or pain or disease again. Instantly, my friends, through the supernatural power of God, of the God who created the universe, you're going to be given a new body with that's going to last forever. Are you suffering now? Is your body giving you trouble now? Are you sick? Are you in pain? My friends, Jesus promises you a new perfect body. I can say this, my friends, by a show of hands. I can't see you, but how many of you would like a new body? How many of you would like a new body? This is what we have waiting for us at the second coming of Jesus, my friends. What a promise. What a hope. Now, there's some that have heard people quoting the words of Jesus as supporting the secret rapture, okay? This is, the, this is the one of the verses they use. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Matthew 24, verse 40 and 41. Now, at a first glance, it does appear that it might be describing a, a secret event where someone is taken away. But... You notice that it's really talking about how some will be destroyed and others saved. It's not teaching that Jesus' return is going to be a secret. The context, my friends, makes this very clear. This saying of Jesus, which, which we looked at once already, is found in Matthew 24, verse 37 and 42. Remember this now. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood... They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Remember this? Until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Now, you notice here that those that were taken in the flood were wicked. They were killed by the flood, my friend. They were killed by the waters of the flood. So those that are taken at the end of time are, are those that are destroyed by the brightness of Christ's coming. The taken here in this context means that those are, these are going to be destroyed by the event that's described. The whole point of this saying of Jesus is watch, my friends, watch. Be ready. Because we do not know when Christ is going to come. But we do know how he's going to come. The Bible is very clear. It's very clear on this, my friends. So don't be deceived. So, what have we seen so far in our study? Well, we've seen that the second coming of Jesus is certain. That just as someone has paid the ransom for someone, they expect to get him back. So Jesus is going to come back. He's going to get you and me. We, my friends, we here who are ransomed by his own death on the cross. We've also seen that Jesus himself is going to return and he's going to come out of the sky just as he went into the sky, right after his resurrection. We've seen also that when Jesus returns, it's going to be an event that the whole world is going to see and hear. We've seen that when Jesus returns, that he's coming to get all of his people, everyone who accepted him, 
Everyone, my friends, who has accepted what he has done for them. And, of course, claimed him as Jesus being their Lord and their Savior. This means that at his return, that the faithful dead are going to be raised with a mortal life. While those faithful living are going to be giving a new immortal bodies. And we're going to be taken to heaven with Jesus. Unfortunately, the wicked who are living at the second coming, whom the Lord will destroy with the abundance of his coming, this is going to happen. This is what happens at the second coming. As this is to be your hope as well, my friends, that Jesus comes and takes us away. Because you can right now, my friends, right now, you can be numbered among those who are gathered to him at the end of time. And all you need to do is confess that you're a sinner. And that you need God's forgiveness through Jesus. That's all you need to do. If you do this, you can have the assurance, my friends, of eternal life. Right now. Right now. Because when Jesus returns, there's going to be only two classes of people, my friends. It's going to be those who he rescues and takes to heaven. And those who are left behind. Destroyed by the brightness of his coming. The time of sudden destruction. My friend, God doesn't force us to follow him. No. He gives us a choice. Think about this. He's already chosen you. Will you choose him today? I mean, what a, a thrilling invitation. This is from, from the God who loves you, from, who cares for you, who's willing to forgive you, no matter what you've done. Don't wait to feel good enough to come to God. You'll never be good enough. But Jesus is. He wants to give you his goodness. I mean, after all, he's already paid your debt in full. No matter how bad you've been, you can right now claim Jesus for yourself. You can confess your sins, my friends. You can claim his promises. And among those promises, this one right here, my friend, this one. When he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Now, isn't that a wonderful promise? That we can always be with Jesus. Put your name in there. Jesus is speaking that promise to you. He's telling you that there's a place just for you. A place with your name on it. That, Jesus, my friends, is now preparing it. He's doing it. He's preparing it for you and no one else. What Jesus is saying to you is that, yes, there's a way out. There's a way out of the world of pain and suffering. And it's not death. It's eternal life with him who ransomed all of us from Satan and sin and death. If we go back to our story at the beginning, the story of the kidnapped man. But when you go back to that story, I want you to do this. Let's change the story a bit here. Let's say that the ransom was paid and the kidnappers got their money and were ready to release, they're ready to release the man. But he says, no, no, I don't want to go back to my wonderful wife and family. Can you imagine that? If you're a ransom and they paid the ransom, are you going to say that? I don't want to go back to my wonderful wife and family. No. Can you imagine that? 
Can you imagine the, that the man decides that he likes it better being kidnapped, tied up, locked away with, with no ability to stay alive? Now, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Well, think about this now. In a real sense, that's the choice that you're, that's facing us right now, my friends. You see, Jesus paid our ransom so we can be redeemed, freed, released from our kidnapper, the one and only Satan. Will we accept what he has done for us? That's the choice we're all facing, my friends. We can stay with the forces which, is, which have captured us, who hate us, who, who want only our misery and our eternal destruction, or we can go free into the arms of, of our loving Savior, Jesus Christ, who says, I love you so much, I died so you can be free. My friends, please, don't stay with your kidnappers. This is what Jesus is saying, my friend. He says, come home with me. I'll take good care of you. You can trust me, for I have graven you on the palms of my hands. That's the choice we all face, my friend. How will you decide this? How are you going to decide this today? There you have it, my friends. We can recognize that, that after, after our study of of the Bible that Satan has kidnapped all of us and the, and the world as well. You see, he's been holding us all captive for all these years, but, but God and his son had a plan to rescue us from, from their enemy and ours. Jesus came and died for us that, that we might be freed, and, and the Bible tells us how it all worked together for our rescue. Hebrews 9 verse 28 says, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly waited for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. He will come the second time, my friends, without, without sin, with salvation to deliver us from the enemy. The question is, are we ready to receive him and go home with him? You know, friends, he's coming soon. And we see the signs every day, my friends. Accept him, my friends, because he's coming home. He's coming to take us home. We need to get out of this toxic world, my friends. I'll be right back with the closing prayer. Hello, friends. Welcome back. You know, the, our next study is going to be about the Ten Commandments. So, I hope you enjoyed this topic because, you know what? Jesus is coming soon. We need to be ready for him, my friends. Join me in prayer as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promise of the second coming of Jesus. Guaranteed to us by, by his first coming. Father, Lord... Help us to realize that there are only two choices, my eternal life with you or, or eternal death on, on our own. Lord, Father, thank you for eternal life. Help us to believe you today and, and to personally accept the eternal life that, that you've provided. We acknowledge that we have been kidnapped by Satan, but redeemed, my, my Lord, by, by your son, Jesus. Please come into our hearts today that, that we might receive eternal life through Jesus. 
Help us also to watch for Jesus soon return so that we can spend eternity with the one who, who died that we might live forever. Be with us, Father, throughout this week also, Lord. Be with those that are suffering, Lord. Let them know that, you are, that you're there for them, God. And help us to, to be able to discern truth, Father, with, with lies. God, send your Holy Spirit to each and every one of us today. And may this study have opened their hearts, Lord, and their minds to you. This we pray in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, friends, once again for joining me for our time in God's Word. I'm Robert. May the Lord richly bless you. May the Lord hold you in His hand. May the Lord embrace you. And may His holy angels protect you. Until next time, this is Robert with our time in God's Word. Until next time, have a great week. Bye-bye. History's greatest cover-up. There's been a lot of cover-ups over the centuries and over the years, but this one is going to surprise you, and it may even revive you. So go get your Bibles, and we'll be right back.